0: This was supposed to be different. The new head coach worked with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. They traded for Russell Wilson. A new era was supposed to start in Denver. So why hasn't it happened yet? That's the focus of today's TDN Daily. And welcome into the Thursday edition of the TDN Daily Podcast. Chris Schubert here Once again, hope everybody is having a great start to their Thursday. We have made it through the two days in which we do not have NFL football action. We have week five starting tonight, Thursday night football, the Colts and the Broncos, who just so happen to be the focus of today's show. And today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Bet Online. Football is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all of your football betting needs this season. And over there, you're going to find the latest odds, you'll find matchup info, player news, and game trends. And as your continued source for all sports wagering info. BetOnline features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. They are always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events like MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head on over to BetOnline.ag to join, and you're going to receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use our promo code Believe. that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. BetOnline where the game starts. We do have Thursday night football tonight, the Colts and the Broncos, and the Broncos are the focus of today's show because, listen, the offseason, teams win and lose the offseason and narratives form, and we start to believe in certain teams based on the way their offseasons go. And for the Denver Broncos, it was an offseason of a massive overhaul. They made a major change with their general manager they brought in a new head coach in Nathaniel Hackett they poach away the offensive coordinator who worked with Matt LaFleur in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers we got to get an offensive mind in here we had Vic Fangio as our head coach let's make a change let's flip to the other side of the ball let's get an offensive minded head coach let's focus on revamping the offense for this Denver Broncos team and then the coup of all coups Let's go trade for Russell Wilson. He's disgruntled in Seattle, wants out. We got to let Russ cook. We don't want him cooking up there in the Pacific Northwest. We'll just move him down a little bit, move him a little south to Denver where he can cook with the Denver Broncos. This was supposed to be different. The AFC West was supposed to be different. It was going to be literally the wild, wild West in the AFC West. You had Patrick Mahomes in the Kansas City Chiefs. Yes, no Tyreek Hill, but you still have Andy Reid. You still have Patrick Mahomes. You still have Travis Kelsey. They are going to be the Kansas City Chiefs, and so far, they've they've done their part. They've checked that box. The Los Angeles Chargers, Justin Herbert, the Ascension there, year two of Brandon Staley. Herbert continues his rise. We've got a lot of good weapons there. Okay, they're in the mix. We got Derek Carr. We trade for Devontae Adams. We bring in an offensive-minded head coach in Josh McDaniels. He gets his second run at being a head coach. Okay, we got something cooking there in, in Vegas with the Raiders. And all those things I just talked about, we bring in Nathaniel Hackett, we bring in Russell Wilson, the Broncos are supposed to be in the mix as well. We got four teams in the AFC West, it's going to be a duel. Shootouts at the OK Corral with these four teams, who's going to make it to the end? Who's going to represent the AFC West in the playoffs? Boy, does it feel like we have just maintained the status quo in a lot of ways with all of these teams. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs? Doing all the things that we anticipate them doing. Andy Reid, still a creative genius. Patrick Mahomes, still a unicorn at the the quarterback position. Still got Travis Kelsey. Their defense is young and playing very well. The Chiefs are still the Chiefs. The Chargers continue to be the Chargers. They have a lot of bad luck. Some Chargering can occur from time to time. They've got a lot of injuries. Down Rayshon Slater. Down Joy Bosa. Justin Herbert's a little banged up. So they're not healthy. They can't, they're can't. they not at 100% in this race. The Raiders, yeah, they just won to get to 1-3, but not the start that everybody envisioned. We can't get Devontae Adams involved the way that we would like after week one. McDaniels already talking about the hot seat. And then the focus of today's show, the Denver Broncos. The team that if it wasn't the Kansas City Chiefs that you thought was the most sure thing because they went out and got a veteran established quarterback, they paid him all that money. Was it $236, 256000000 million? They gave him a lot of money. They backed up the bring truck for Russell Wilson. That was the team that we all thought was probably the number two, the de facto number two. Still want to see it from Justin Herbert. Don't know how Josh McDaniels in year one is going to be, but Russell Wilson in Denver, Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, away we go with the Denver Broncos. They might be the furthest thing from what we anticipated them being, and they are in a division with the Las Vegas Raiders. How did this all happen? How have we gotten to a point where the Denver Broncos are 2 and 2 and that feels like it's generous that they're 2 and 2. They're 2 wins they've scored 27 points in both of those games. Is it a head coach that is just inexperienced? It is a head coach that's maybe trying to do too much balancing the play calling and also being the head coach, the head coach developing a culture leading his team is Russell Wilson. Not in a position to cook. We may want him to cook the five course meal. Maybe, you know, maybe Russell Wilson shouldn't be cooking the five course meal. Maybe Nathaniel Hackett should be the one cooking the meal. Who knows how that recipe should be put together. But what we do know is that this is not the way this was supposed to go. This was not supposed to be a team that is third worst in the league in terms of points scored. I think they're only better than two teams. This was not supposed to happen. This was not supposed to be this way. This was supposed to be a battle in the AFC West. Well, it feels like it's the Chiefs and everybody else. Who can get out of their way the quickest? Chargers, Raiders, Broncos. We'll leave it up to you to decide. So who is at fault for what is happening with the Denver Broncos? Is it a coaching problem? Is it a, a play-calling problem? Is it a quarterback that maybe isn't worth the hundreds of millions of dollars that, that he was given? Maybe we should have seen the writing on the walls with the way his tenure ended in Seattle. Who is at fault for what is happening? How can this get fixed? The Denver defense holding up their end of the bargain. They are the thing that is keeping this ship afloat while they try to figure this out. Let's get to the bottom of who is at fault for what's happening with the Denver Broncos. Damian Parson of the Draft Network, he did the deep dive. He is, the Broncos are in his region. I ask him all these questions. We have this conversation. So let's talk to him and let's get to the bottom. And who is at fault for what is happening with the Denver Broncos? DP, the numbers aren't pretty. The Broncos, 16.5 points per game. They're only in front of the Bears and the Colts yards per game. They got teams like the the Patriots in front of them. This is not how this was supposed to go. We have the former offensive coordinator for Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. We traded for Russell Wilson. We're only scoring 16.5 points per game. I've got to get to the bottom of this. Yesterday on the show, I got to the bottom of the Dallas Cowboys. I've got to get to the bottom of why Russell Wilson is not cooking, why we are not scoring points in Denver?
1: Shub, let me tell you, man, this has been one of, the, one of the more frustrating teams I've studied this entire season. And that was kind of what I went into as well, Shub. Like, when I went in to watch the tape on this offense, that's what I wanted to look at. I'm like, what is going on? They're two and two. Yeah, I mean... Some would say if they didn't fumble against Seattle two, three times at the goal line, it'll be three and one, right? If the defense could have stopped the Raiders, they'll be four and all the ifs and what ifs and all that stuff. This is an offense that ranks 21st in the league in total yards from scrimmage, averaging 335 yards per game. They rank 18th in both rushing and passing offense, and the worst, like you just talked about, the worst part, they ranked 30th in points scored in 66 points in four games. Shubin, the thing that I've I noticed was just this is not what Russell Wilson is accustomed to. In terms of you look back at the the numbers and what they did in Seattle, I went back to 2020 and 2019. Both of those seasons, when I tell you they didn't even worry about. 22 and 21 personnel. Oh, but this Denver Broncos coaching staff is heavily invested in both of those. Like that's their main, those are their main personnel groupings. They are play really condensed. And it's like watching this offense. It's like, you ever seen somebody make things more difficult on themselves than they need to. That's yeah. this Denver Broncos offense, Chris, like they put themselves in the box. We didn't do it. The defenses aren't doing it. It's, it's coach Nathaniel Hackett. And this offense, like what he's calling a lot of condensed sets and Russell Wilson, Like you said, he, he's used to 10, 11, and even 12 personnel. And those are the personnel groupings that they're not even using at a high rate right now. He's used to spreading – having teams come out of the uh, – them coming out of the huddle and you see DK, you see uh, you know Tyler Lockett, you see the tight ends, you see the – you know I think it was Freddie Swain the past couple of years as the other receiver in Seattle. You see three, four – Passing options and then one back in the backfield where it's like, hey, we can zone read it. I can play action you RPO you. I can do a lot of different things with this, but that's not what they're doing right now. Shoot. They're really leaning heavy on the run game and run action. And they're not even a great run team right now.
0: So we're running a lot of 21 personnel. And for those of you who are maybe unfamiliar with the term, that means we got two running backs on the field and only one tight end. And and DP, I, I I had to pull this up. I just wanted to make sure we were talking in the same frame of mind here. I have the Denver Broncos depth chart open. Cortland Sutton's still on the team. Jerry Judy's still on the team. We still got those two guys that we can get the ball to. And so there's a lot to unpack with what you just said there. But you said talking about the the run action and having the two running backs on the field. And this was one of the questions I was going to ask you later on in our conversation. But I'll I'll fast forward. I'll bring it here to the front. We don't have Javante Williams anymore. We just got – we brought in Latavius Murray. He's now part of this running back room. We're going to rely heavily on Melvin Gordon. So a two-part question. One – Based on the injury, are we going to have to make a change to our personnel grouping just out of just because of we have to do it? And then secondly, if we are going to make this change, we're now going to feature Melvin Gordon very heavily in this offense. He's fumbled the ball; that's been a problem. He's getting older. It was a bit of a question mark why they brought him back in the first place because we all thought Javante Williams was a stud. Certainly feels like a great insurance policy that they put together. <laughs> so uh, the second part of the question is: Can Melvin Gordon? With you know, pick up the slack. Can he be the bell cow that they're going to need him to be? Because Javante Williams ain't coming back anytime soon.
1: Chris, I think that they, as out of necessity, I believe they should, you know, change the way that they've doing, they've done things right now. Get rid of the not, not completely get rid of twenty one and twenty two, but just use it less. Lean more into some of these more spread open packages where Russell's in the shotgun and he's able to survey the defense and see where guys are aligned right he's a veteran quarterback chris allow him to be that allow him to be the 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 the, the guy that that handles everything that the calls and checks at the line of scrimmage it shouldn't be because i'm going to tell you what it is chris they wait until they get to passing situations predictability okay now you're third and eight we know you got to get out of 21 you have no choice you got to go to 11 and throw the football right so to the second point of your question, can Melvin Gordon, uh, can he handle the – I don't think he will in terms of – I think they're going to use him and the young kid Mike Boone, who I think was with the Vikings previously. I think they're going to use both of those guys. I wouldn't be surprised if Latavius Murray get his share too. But I think they're going to give Melvin Gordon majority of those snaps. But if he still had like you talked about those fumbles, Chris, if those don't stop, if he doesn't decrease the rate that he's fumbled because he fumbled – I think he's got four on the season – um a couple of them at the goal line and it's like the timing it's not just the fumbles Chris it's the, the timing of when he fumbles mm-hmm. the team's on the drive they're at the goal line it's like this is a goal-to-go situation that like, we can score and you lost the ball and, and Sunday his fumble not only resulted in them getting off the field and missing out on points Chris it resulted in the Raiders scoring because it was a scoop and score by Amik Ro- uh, uh, Robertson it went for seven so That's going to be the key is, like, if he can sure that up, I think, because he can catch the ball in the backfield. I think Mike Boone can a little bit as well. I think we'll still see both of those backs. But back to, like I said, to your first point, I think they will have to kind of get out of that condensed run game action that they've been doing uh none Javante Williams who's their best back is gone for the season
0: Seattle last year ran 11 personnel 67 percent of the time they ran 21 personnel 1 percent of the time they ran 13 plays in it and I guess this goes to the other part of the question the other part of this scenario and I guess I'll have you assign blame here in a second but we bring in as our new head coach and offensive coordinator who wasn't calling plays in Green Bay with LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers, but saw the success of the way that they did things. And they happen to have two running backs that they could rely on, and they could have those both on the field at one time. We bring him in. We trade for Russell Wilson. We trade for a franchise quarterback. And then we pay him all this money. And then we choose to not do any of the things that make him successful. It just feels a little weird to me, and I guess I'll I'll ask it this way. Let's assign blame here. How much of this is on Russ? Because I don't think he's been particularly good either. They're two wins. They've scored 27 points in those two games combined. They scored 16 Mm -hmm. in the win against the Texans. They scored 11 in the Sunday night game that everybody would like to forget against the 49ers. So they're not scoring a lot when they win. Mm -hmm. So how much do we want to blame Russell Wilson? How much do we want to blame Nathaniel Hackett? Because, yes, there are the time management stuff and the decision making that we can talk about. But this is a guy who will not give up the play calling duty. He is still calling plays when that's something that he's never done before. So assign blame
1: here. How, How do we want to weigh this? I want to say 75-25, so I want to say 75 Nathaniel Hackett, 25 Russell Wilson like I said, Russell Wilson has to be better himself as a veteran court, Super Bowl winning quarterback, veteran quarterback has played a lot of games and thrown a lot of passes in his league, you want to see uh, him get better, and I know uh, you talked about, you know, Hackett coming from Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers, you know, when they first brought in um, that coaching staff, him and Lafleur, it took Aaron Rodgers a little bit to get kind of used to doing things their way, and it feels like Russell Wilson's kind of dealing dealing with the same thing where he's used to being free. He's used to playing his game, right, playing f- from the shotgun. If I got to improvise and make things happen, I do it. But it feels the reason why I'm still giving him blame as well is, like you say he didn't play well. But also for me, you are the veteran voice in that locker room. Go have a, a conversation with your head coach. Don't be the golden boy. Don't be just the, the guy, the, the people pleaser. Don't be what the media wants you to be, Russ. Be who you are. Go in there and be the leader of this team and say, Coach, we have to change some things. Chris, I th- uh, what I thought about was, remember back in 2015 when they had Gary Kubiak and Peyton Manning? Yes, uh, remember how that season started out. Gary Kubiak was like, okay. It was like kind of a clashing of the minds. Peyton Mm -hmm. wanted to run his Indianapolis Colts offense. Kubiak wanted to run his wide zone stuff. And at the first half of that season, when their offense was awful under Peyton Manning, they were running the pistol stuff, the stuff Peyton wanted to run and the offense looked God awful. And he was, I think he he went mostly before he got hurt at home, he didn't throw like a touchdown or something. It was some crazy stat that year. Um, And, Kubiak just got tired of it. Kubiak's like, okay, it, it took Peyton Man getting hurt and putting in Brock Osweiler. And while Peyton was out, he said, We're going to we're going to do things that I see it. We're going I'm going to take control. We're going to run my offense. That's when the offense started humming. They started running the ball with CJ Anderson and play action and bootlegs and stuff, right? I feel like it's the reverse for Denver now, right? Like where Nathaniel Hackett's running his offense or what he envisioned his offense to be when you should flip it and run what's comfortable for Russ. Because like you said, you got Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Albert O, um, Kendall Hinton, KJ Hamler's, you know, getting healthy. We saw him, big 55-yard, big play versus the Raiders. Run what Russ is comfortable with and what makes him good. Yeah, we're not the New England Patriots with our wide receivers, right? We've got talent here.
0: we got guys that we can get the ball to. And I think what's so fascinating in the example that you just used with Kubiak is – that's a veteran coach. This coach has been around the block a couple of times and I just wonder how much and this is all anecdotal. I don't there's no statistic that backs this up, but Nathaniel Hackett, all the game management things. He seemed overwhelmed. He had to make a decision in terms of getting somebody in that could help him. And I just wonder if a first time head coach with a coaching staff that's just extremely relative speaking inexperienced. I wonder if this is just the growing pains of man. We do not have the infrastructure set up. Let's I mean, let's let's this is the most extreme example of this. Right. But Sean McVay was the head coach. For the Los Angeles Rams, first time head coach. What did he do? He had Wade Phillips as defensive coordinator. So the one thing he never had to worry about was anything else. Wade's got the defense. We're good. I need to focus on getting my offensive system in place, and I need to worry about being a leader and being a head coach. And it just doesn't feel as though that structure has been in place for Nathaniel Hackett. And it feels because look, DP, I got the, the offensive personnel groupings. It's not like mm-hmm. Hackett came from a place where they ran 21 personnel a ton in Green Bay. He, he didn't like they weren't doing that there. LaFleur wasn't doing <laughs> that despite having two good running backs in Dylan and Jones. So it's Hackett all of a sudden decided to do this, and it just feels like they're just trying too much. They're trying to press, and and it just feels a little weird. Now, I don't want to be entirely negative because there's another side of the ball for the Denver Broncos, and outside Mm -hmm. of giving up 32 to the Raiders on Sunday, they've been pretty stout. They've been pretty good. Let's talk about this Denver defense here to maybe end on a bit of a positive note because so far, again, despite that Raiders game, they have been the thing that is kept the Broncos in these football games.
1: Oh, 100%. I think I tweeted that out earlier this week that without this defense, this team is winless. Like, they're they're 0-4, Chris. Like, this defense, like you said, has been stout. And when you have one of the better cornerbacks in the league, and Patrick Sertain the second, PS2, um, you know... And the crazy part about it, Chris, they're missing their top dog in the secondary, Justin Simmons, who's not even healthy at the moment. He's supposed to return. He's eligible to return week six. So when you have that type of playmaker missing from your defense and you've played so well to this point, like – Draymond Jones is really good as a pass rusher. DJ Jones is an underrated defensive lineman, and man, I really like what I see from him on take. Mike Purcell, another underrated, like not talked about defensive tackle that really does so many good things well in the run game, exchanging gaps, two gapping, being physical. And then when that, that signing... I know a lot of Dallas Cowboy fans don't want to hear this, but losing you know them losing Randy Gregory and the Broncos getting Randy Gregory was huge. It was big because he ranked you know up you know because he's out now for the four weeks for um for knee surgery. He ranked ninth. He was top tenth in pass rush win rate. He was winning consistently, getting pressure. Nick, uh, not Nick Chubb, but Bradley Chubb was starting to have a resurgence because he's healthy. He was starting to get his footing as a pass rusher. And then, of course, got Baron Browning and Nick Benito and stuff like that. So this was a defense that's playing very well against the run and versus the pass outside, of course, the most recent game versus the Raiders. But again, this is the reason this team is still two and two. It's because the defense has carried them so, I, and I don't think that's going to stop Chris. Because, like I said, you're going to get Justin Simmons back in a, in a couple of weeks, and that's going to be big time. Um, and when Randy Gregory comes back, you have a full, healthy defense. I'm really excited to see what that looks like.
0: Let's lean into let's lean into what we do here over at TDN. Patrick Sertan, one of the bright young players in the game, a guy that was a top corner pick two years ago. I think I know where you're going to. I think I know the answer to this question. So, this is a bit of a leading question because I know how you <laughs> feel about this player. Do we need to start talking, at least nationally, from a big picture perspective, about Patrick Sertan in the same tier that we talk about some of these top five corners in the game?
1: Yes, yes, hundred percent. The the stock is up, man. And, you know, if if you could put some money to his to his name as a stock as a stock asset, you need to do it. I'm telling you, buy in right now because PS two Patrick Sertain is just, of course, it's in his bloodline. His dad played in the league. Patrick Sertain, uh, you know, a senior and like, you know, he understands how to play the position. He's he's been taught by one of the better guys that played in our league. But the the instincts the the patience, the control, the eye discipline, the stickiness, the versatility, uh, Chris, to play press man, to play off man, to play zone. He communicates well. He doesn't mind coming and tackling in the screen game or in the run game. And he's just really difficult to get catches on. And, you know, he when you see him versus Devontae Adams, that's good on good. That's top tier on top tier. And, you know, both had their wins. Um, in, in that game, but yeah, I think he definitely is someone that, that we should talk about more when we talk about the top cornerbacks in the NFL. Well,
0: they're certainly going to need that defense to show up tonight to take on the Indianapolis Colts. Feels like a potential get-right opportunity for this football no team. No, Jonathan DPL. Taylor. No, Jonathan Taylor, this is an opportunity. This is a get-right game to try to figure some things out for them uh, on both sides of the ball. DP, always appreciate uh, you joining me, and uh, we'll we'll keep an eye out Uh, because, again, I think this defense is going to have to do a little bit of the heavy lifting here in the short term until they figure this out. But the 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 big takeaway that I have here for Broncos fans based on our conversation is there is hope. There is talent Mm -hmm. on this team. They just need to put those guys in a position to succeed. So, DP, always appreciate it. Yes, sir. Oh, and one more thing. The Broncos offensive line. Yeah, that's going to be a key to this turnaround. Russell Wilson has already been sacked 12 times this year over a 17-game pace. That's 51 sacks. That would tie his career high set all the way back in 2018. The Lions adjusted sack rate is ninth worst in the league. So while the offense needs to get better from a personnel perspective, they also need to do a better job of protecting their quarterback. That's going to be it for the Thursday edition of TDN Daily. Talk to everybody tomorrow.